Amen. 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 Well, you got your Bible with you. Say amen. Uh, just a great time of worship this morning. Now have an opportunity to uh, have some Bible study. Haven't told you lately, so I want to tell you now. So everybody, eyeball to eyeball. I love y'all. Appreciate you guys. Let me be your pastor. I love most of you. And uh, excited to be here this morning. Look forward to being here. Can't think of a better place to uh, pastor uh, anywhere. So man, bless you. Appreciate you guys letting me hang out here uh, with you today as well. So Ephesians chapter 2 in your Bibles here this morning. And what I want to do just kind of uh, to kick this thing off is to tell you if if this message is really going to make sense to you, uh, you we got to have some honest folk in the room, all right? Any honest folk in the room this morning, say amen. All right, four of you. God bless each one of you for being here. And uh, here's what I want to ask you today. All right, all right have you ever uh, created an invisible wall between you and somebody else? I mean, an invisible wall, maybe they, they did something wrong or you did something wrong, so you kind of blocked yourself from really being in a relationship with them. Anybody in the house ever done that before? You've thrown up an invisible wall before. All right, good deal. Here's the thing. We live in a fallen world. We're fallen people, and we do fallen things. And so as a result of that, sometimes disunity or invisible walls can actually be created in the homes where we live, between husbands and wives, and also in the place where we worship, between brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. So this is a church family. And so there are some walls that we've got to make sure that we don't allow to divide us as followers of the Lord Jesus. Now, in preparation for this message, I actually uh, asked some people. I interviewed some real life people and said, hey, tell me, uh, explain to me or describe to me some walls that people uh, put up in the context of the body of Christ. And I wasn't just talking about like Concord. I'm talking about the church universal. Name some walls that people throw up. And so uh, here's some that they mentioned. They said there's the invisible wall uh, of race. So it's the race wall. In other words, somebody is a different race than you, and even though they're a follower of Jesus, uh, sometimes you still divide yourself from them. You still block yourself off from having a genuine relationship with them just because they're a different race. You know, it's been said before that the most segregated hour in the United States is Sunday at 11 o'clock. That's when all the churches get together. But that is the most segregated time. It's because sometimes there are invisible walls that have been created between us and others who are of not, uh, or not of the uh, same race as we are. And then here's one as well. Uh, it's the, uh, I know what you are like wall. I know what you are like. In other words, consider this for just a moment, all right? So you come to Concord, and somebody gives their heart to Jesus Christ here, and everybody's kind of excited about them, but you knew what they used to be like. So maybe you went to high school with them, or you work with them, and you're like, oh my goodness, stay away from this. It's over you. Draw a wall between yourself and that individual, and you don't really reach out in genuine love and uh, seek to establish a relationship with them. You keep a wall dividing you and that other person. And then here's one that we all know about. It's called the denominational wall, right? The denominational wall. So, so we have all these denominations, and sometimes what we do is we have our denomination, and with such pride, we kind of build walls between ourselves and others. Even though they hold to the tenets of the Christian faith, they may have some uh, different ideologies when it comes to secondary issues, but sometimes we just avoid them altogether. It's like, stay away from those people. Man, I think they might be Methodist. Y'all know what I'm saying? So there's all these walls that we create. And at the same time, there, there's this wall, the I don't know you wall. Now, the reason that this one kind of came up when I was talking with somebody is they said, uh, you know, we come to church, and even in church, we act so friendly to each other and so nice to each other. But then we get out there in the real world, because this is the fake one. But we get out there in the real world, and uh, whenever we see each other, we just avoid each other. So we have these invisible walls. So like, I don't know you. 
but you, you knew me on Sunday. Why do you treat me like this on Monday? So again, there's a wall. And then there's uh, probably the most popular one. This is the one that came up. Uh, you hurt me wall. You hurt me wall. In other words, something happened between you and somebody in the family of God. And uh, it hurt you. Hurt you so deeply and caused you such pain. Uh, the result was that you pulled away from that family or you pulled away from that individual. And uh, you began to guard yourself Uh, Not only from getting close to them, but sometimes it even causes you to guard yourself from getting closer to others in the family of God. And you know what the walls are. Some of you probably thought of some that I didn't even mention here this morning. But you know there are some walls in your life when at least one of these three things happen. You know there's a wall in your life when you feel weird when that same person is in the room with you. If all of a sudden you feel real awkward when somebody shows up in the same room where you are, well, there's a wall. You've built a wall there. And then here's the second way. You try to avoid the places where they are going to be. So you know where they're going to be. And even in the context I thought about our church, you can really uh, do this well, right? So you're at odds with somebody in the family of God, so you're like, I'll just go to a different worship hour. I'll go to a different community group, or I'll even go to a different church campus. Just to avoid those people, to avoid that awkwardness. Well, that's a wall. And then here's another one. You're quick to say something negative anytime their name or uh, that group's name is mentioned. Right? You, just, you, you had something slanderous to say. So as soon as somebody says their name, it's like, let me, let me tell you something about that verse. Or uh, maybe you just kind of give a look. You ever gave a look before? The name comes up and you're just like, oh. Y'all know that look? Did y'all see it over there? Oh. Let's talk about him again. Right? That's a wall. And here's the amazing thing. The reason that I bring these walls up to you this morning is because Paul the Apostle is writing to a primarily Gentile crowd in Ephesians chapter 2. And these Gentiles had a wall between themselves and the Jewish people. And there was this wall that existed before Jesus Christ. And now, even though they have come to faith in Jesus, some Jews and some Gentiles, there still was this invisible wall that was kind of drawn up between the two. And they weren't really experiencing the unity and the peace that God desired for them to experience. So Paul the Apostle teaches them what to do with the wall. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. When you have an invisible wall in your life, maybe somebody in your family where you live, maybe somebody right here in this church family where you worship, but you know there's an invisible wall there, that wall is so clear. I mean, it is. You know it's present. What do you do with that wall? We're going to discover that today. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 in your Bibles. If you'll stand with me out of God's Word this morning, uh, let's look at what the Scripture says together. You got it there in front of you? Uh, Say amen for me. Amen. The Bible says, therefore, remember that you formerly, uh, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. And he might reconcile them both in the one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity." And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, 
But your fellow citizens were the saints, and you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your divine word and pray that you would help us to know how to deal with those invisible walls that so often show up in our lives. And God, I'm confident that there are individuals here today who have invisible walls surrounding them and somebody else. Uh, maybe somebody in their family, maybe somebody in this church family, maybe somebody in their small group. And God, I just pray you to help us to understand how to deal with those walls so that you're glorified and we're drawn closer to you and to one another. And we'll give you glory for how you work this morning. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you be seated this morning. So how do you deal with the wall? What do you do? Now here's what Paul kicks off really teaching us to do. And this is the principle, right? Paul's like, you got to paint the wall. Put some paint on it. Put some paint on that invisible wall. In other words, you got to acknowledge the fact that it's there, that it's present. Notice with me in verse 11. The scripture says, remember that formerly, which by the way, that's a time stamp, so he's saying, formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, you were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Now, before we go any further, uh, today we don't talk about people and their circumcision. Because that's weird. <laughs> is it not? But in this particular day, it was a big deal. Because Jews traditionally circumcised their sons on the eighth day as a sign of the covenant which God made with them and Abraham, them and the people of Israel. So this was a sign of the covenant. So as a result, the Jews who were circumcised would actually... Uh, ostracized the Gentiles, those who are not Jews, and one of the reasons they did that is because they were uncircumcised. And so you can imagine, if they played a pickup uh, basketball game, some of the junk talk that would have happened, can't you? Right? Some Jewish brother, he comes down and he's like, you uncircumcised Philistine, get out of my way. Right? That's how they would talk junk, right? That's what they did. Aren't y'all glad we're over that? Say amen. I am as well. I am as well. And I'm glad I'm not going to say the word again. Verse 12, look at your Bible because he's painting the wall. He's already saying there's a separation between the Jews and the Gentiles. We know about that. And then he says in verse 12, remember that you were, and again, that's a timestamp, at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. So here what Paul's doing is he's putting more paint on the invisible wall. He's like, we've got to acknowledge this fact. Listen, Gentiles, there was a separation. Listen, there are five major separations that we could just paint right here today. And the first one is, they were separate from Christ. The word separate means without. The Gentiles to whom Paul was referring were not raised with the promise of a Christ to come and save them. And the word Christ there is the anointed one, the Messiah. So the Gentile children, parents, I mean, they didn't share with them the great promises of God found in the Old Testament Scripture because they didn't read the Old Testament Scripture. So there was that separation. There was that difference. So he's painting the wall. And then he goes on and he says they were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. Now that word commonwealth, it speaks of citizenship. So citizens of uh, Israel were not Gentiles. This, again, it alienated them from the Jewish culture, and it also alienated them from tradition. And then thirdly, they were strangers to the covenants of promises. Now, this is kind of the biggie here, right? The Jews held on 
tightly as they should have to the promises of God made in the Old Testament. The promises made to them. The covenant promises. Think about some of them. There was the Abrahamic covenant. This was a covenant that promised a national existence for Israel. There was the Palestinian covenant. It promised a land for the people of God. They missed out on the Davidic covenant, which promised a king who would reign in Israel forever. And they also missed out on the new covenant found in the Old Testament, book of Jeremiah. They promised the great spiritual blessings of the people of God. So these uh, covenant promises were all tied to the coming of Jesus Christ, to Christ, the Messiah. But the Gentiles, they were aliens. They were foreigners to these promises. And then he goes on and says, as he's painting the wall here, uh, they had no hope. In other words, before Jesus, there was no hope. See, unlike Israel, they had no confident expectation of a Messiah to come. In fact, the Gentiles in Ephesus were worshiping the false goddess of Diane. They were not looking for a Messiah. I mean, they were just trying to figure it out on their own. So there was, again, this separation. And they were without God in the world, the Bible says. That means they were without a true understanding of who the one true God really was and is. And because Gentiles... Uh, those of other nations did not grow up with all of this truth being shared to them. They were left to try to figure it out on their own. Now, fast forward. Everybody with me say yes? So the wall's being painted. And then there is this separation between the Jews and Gentiles. But then Jesus comes. And in Jesus Christ, he creates something new called the church. And so now as the church gets together by faith in Jesus Christ to corporately worship... All of this past separation, all of this past junk talk, so to speak, still kind of seeps into the church. And the Gentiles are thinking, how do we relate to the Jews? And the Jews are thinking, how do we relate to the Gentiles? In fact, if we can just take our imagination for just a moment, think what worship would be like if we were a part of the uh, ground floor of the church coming into existence in uh, history. Uh, let's say we all got together to worship, and all you guys on this side, y'all are a bunch of Gentiles. Appreciate y'all being here. Amen? Now, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile, all right? So you guys here are Gentiles, and all of y'all over here are Jewish people. Welcome, Jewish people, right? Now, if we got together, I didn't hear what just happened, but if we got together, what would end up happening is the Jews previously called the Gentiles a bunch of dogs. Y'all want to practice that for a second? On the count of three, y'all just holler at them and say, who let the dogs out? Y'all ready? One, two, three. Y'all are like, no fun at all. So that, that's it. So now we're coming to us like, how do we worship? So these walls are still there. The walls are still in the context of that New Testament church in Ephesus. So Paul's like, we've got to paint the wall. Just acknowledge it. Now, here's the deal. If you have an invisible wall between you and someone else, then that means you've got to sit down with that person. you just got to paint the wall. you just got to say, here's the issue. Because that's what Paul did. He's just laying it all out. Here's what it was like. Here's what it was like. So you got to lay it down. you got to sit down with that individual. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's a uh, son or a daughter. Maybe it's somebody in your small group. Maybe it's somebody in this room. You just need to sit down with them. You need to paint the wall. Say, here's the wall. And you can use that phraseology, man. It will help. Here's the wall that exists between us. And here's the reason that it exists. And after you begin to paint the wall, then the second thing that you got to do is you got to embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you. Embrace what Jesus has done. Now I want you to see this in verse 13. The Bible says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Now I bought an eyeball. Brought near to who? That's kind of the question that I'm reading that. You've been brought near. Brought near to who? Well, we would immediately say we're brought near to God. 
And that's true. Jesus' death on the cross at Calvary paid for our sins penalty. We should die for our sin, but Jesus died for us. He was buried and raised again. And when we embrace Jesus, he is the one who reconciles us, brings us into a relationship with God the Father. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to God the Father but through me. So when you embrace Jesus, you're reconciled to God. You who are far away have been brought near by Jesus. But it goes a step further. Look at verse 14. The Bible says, for Jesus himself is our peace. Now notice this, who made both groups into one. What groups is he talking about? He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And he's made them into one. And he has broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Now, the dividing wall, what is that speaking of? Very quickly, eyeball to eyeball for just a moment. There was a wall in the temple of God in the Old Testament that divided Jews and Gentiles. In fact, there was a wall that Gentiles were unable to pass and go into the time of worship. So there was a wall there. Well, Jesus' death on the cross shattered that wall. And at the same time, there are invisible walls that often separated even Jews and Gentiles in the early church because of their past history. And so what Paul is saying is, look, Jesus died on the cross not only to reconcile you to God, but Jesus died on the cross also to reconcile you together as one new family, one new group. It's a tremendous concept. In fact, what the Bible teaches us in the New Testament is that when Jesus died on the cross at Calvary and gave birth to the church, he simultaneously, check this out, he gave birth to a new race. The Bible says you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for God's own possession. So there's no longer Jew or Gentile, male or female, bondman or free man. We are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus started a fresh work. Jesus did something completely brand new. And here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, Jews, Gentiles, when you really embrace what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross at Calvary, it will not only bring you close to God, but check this out, it also brings you close to one another. So even in the context of the family of God, if you have an invisible wall present, you're not embracing all that Jesus did on the cross for your life. Because he died, not only bringing you close to God, but also to bring all of us close together as a family within the church. Now, how did Jesus do it? Look at verse 15. The Bible says it this way. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Now, everybody stick with me because this is dropping the plow a little bit. But within the Jewish law, uh, there were all these distinctions made which divided Jews from the Gentiles. Namely, uh, the Jew Jews sought to carry out the law while Gentiles weren't concerned with the law at all. So this is what led to bad blood between the two. However, the blood of Jesus brought about a unity between the two divided groups because Jesus was the end of the law. So why did Jesus abolish the bad blood between Jews and Gentiles? Verse 15, continue. So that in himself he might make the two, there it is again, the what two? The Jews and the Gentiles into, check this out, one new man, thus establishing peace. Now, the idea of two becoming one new man illustrates the fresh work of Jesus. He didn't come to make Gentiles into Jews, nor did he come to make Jews into Gentiles. He came to create a brand new group all together. And inside this group, they would be uh, free from hostility, free from opposition, racism, bitterness, division, wrath, and anger. All of those things have been abolished because of Jesus' death on the cross. It's pretty amazing. 
Matter of fact, the defining characteristic of this new man in Christ would be peace. The defining characteristic of the church family would be and should be peace. All because of what Christ has done. Now verse 16 continues. And he might reconcile them both. There it is again. Both. What both? Jew and Gentile. Into one body to God through the cross by having put to death the enmity. So again, on the cross at Calvary, God put to death the enmity. That is, he put to death the separation between people groups. Now that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Again, Jesus' death on the cross at Calvary. When we talk about that oftentimes, and primarily all we discuss is how it brought us near to God through Jesus. And that is true. That occurred. But do not forget that the death of Jesus started something brand new called the church. And if you embrace what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary, it not only brings you close to God, but it brings you this new desire to be close to the family of God. Are y'all out there listening? Verse 17 and 18, the Bible says, And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off. Who was that? That's the Gentiles. And then he goes on and says, And he came to preach peace to those who were near. For through the near, who's that? That's the Jews. For through him, we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So again, for both Jew and Gentile alike, whether you grew up with the promises or not, only access the promises through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah of the world. And here again, we see the unifying work of the Holy Spirit to bring about two groups into one new group known as a family with one father. And it's amazing because Jews, 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 I didn't mean to say it that way. Y'all want me to say amen? The Jews typically referred to Gentiles as dogs, but now they would have to refer to Gentiles as their brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a radical transformation in their hearts and their minds how they are now to live in unity. And you can see clearly that Jesus came to break down the walls between us so that we might have peace with one another in the family of God. So this means even the walls that you personally have built between yourself and others. You cannot allow those walls to keep you separated or else you're not fully appropriating what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. To hold bitterness in your life, to hold anger or hatred or division in your heart towards somebody else who's a brother or sister in Christ is to act contradictory to the reconciling work of God. So you've got to acknowledge the wall. You've got to paint that thing. You've got to embrace what Jesus Christ came to do. He came to break down the wall. So I bought an eyeball for a moment. If there's separation between you and somebody else in the family of God, and you allow that separation to continue, then you're not appropriating and really embracing what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. You're totally missing it. Jesus died not only bring you near to him, that is God, but Jesus died to bring you near to one another. And here's the amazing thing. Sometimes you think, well, I'm painting the wall, and I know I need to embrace Jesus, but you don't understand how big the wall is. Think about how big the wall was between you and God. And yet God brought you near to himself through Jesus. That, is, that distance is so great that it's almost like God said, watch this, I'm going to bring you near to me through my son just to prove to you that I can bring you near to others through my son. Now, the amazing thing is this. You've got to acknowledge the wall. You've got to paint the thing. And then you have to embrace Jesus together if it's you and someone else that are at odds. 
And you've got to say, look, man, our attitude towards one another doesn't reflect what Jesus did for us on the cross at Calvary. This bitterness that you may have towards your spouse, everybody eyeball to eyeball for a moment, this unforgiveness you've got going on in your life, that does not reflect what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. So this hatred that you have for some people group, uh, this uh, racism you've got going on in your life, you, you can't embrace racism and follow Jesus at the same time. It doesn't work. So in Jesus, we've been reconciled. So you've got to embrace that. Paint the wall, embrace it with that brother or sister and say, listen, let's just talk about the wall between us. Here is the issue, and I just want to get it out in the open. And, I, and, and where you need to ask for forgiveness, you get after that. Where you need to repent of your own heart's hardness toward that person, you need to get after that. you got to settle those things. Because the amazing thing is this, the third truth, once you take those steps, is that you uh, pursue God's presence together. That's what you do. You break down the wall through Jesus, embracing him, and then you pursue his presence with that individual. Look at verse 19. Scripture says, then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. Now, this is uh, pretty awesome. He's saying again, we've got this new people in Jesus. We're also people who possess a new citizenship. And Paul wrote to the Philippians. He says, we're citizens of heaven. And then Paul goes on here in verse 19 and says, you're of God's household. And then verse 20, uh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. Listen, the apostles and the prophets, they were actually the ones who gave us the New Testament. And it's in the New Testament that we discover what Jesus did to bring these two groups together and birth the church. Matter of fact, uh, the amazing thing is uh, what I'm preaching this morning is actually what had Paul the apostle thrown into jail so many times. The Jewish people heard this, and they're like, we don't want to hear this. This is not true. Gentiles are still excluded from us. Quit trying to say Jesus is bringing us all together. We're going to throw you in jail. Stop preaching. Are y'all listening to what I'm getting at? It's a pretty shocking concept here. But here in this text, it's like, no, there's this new house. And the amazing thing is that God's building this church based upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus is the cornerstone. Listen, the cornerstone is the most important stone in a building. The cornerstone is the one that brings stability to the rest of the building. So what is this teaching me? It's teaching me that in Jesus, there is stability in the relationships that I have. Think about it. A husband and a wife who do not have Jesus as the cornerstone of their relationship, there's instability. There's instability. But one that has Jesus as a cornerstone, stable. Think about a family, right, that doesn't have Jesus as a cornerstone, well, there's instability. Think about a church that doesn't have Jesus as a cornerstone, there's instability. But whenever Jesus is embraced as the cornerstone, Jesus brings us together in unity, brings us together in peace. And he can do that in your relationships. Every relationship you have, all these walls you got going down, and you're thinking there's absolutely no way, but Jesus has the ability. Jesus can do it. He's building this temple. Verse 21, the Bible says, In Jesus, the whole building, being fitted together, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together in a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Now, what is this talking about? Now, within the temple, made by God, the Spirit dwells uniquely. Now, you've got to follow the train here. Everybody ready to get on the train? Because I want you to miss this. The Bible teaches when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live within your body. That is so true. 
Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 5. But there's also a fact taught in the scripture that when the body of Christ gets together, that the Holy Spirit dwells with them in a unique fashion. Now, reality is this. When there is hostility, invisible walls, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, wrath, uh, revenge, when you get all this swelling up inside of you, and that is how you are responding to someone in the body of Christ, guess what that does? It breaks the unity. And whenever the unity is broken, guess what it does? It keeps the body from experiencing the presence of God in a unique fashion. Isn't that crazy? It makes perfect sense, though, doesn't it? That's why the enemy attacks relationships. He wants to attack every relationship in this room right now. Eyeball to eyeball. He wants to hit every relationship because he wants dividing walls between husbands and wives, dividing walls between parents and kids, dividing walls between those in your small group, dividing walls between those in this building. Because if he can get dividing walls in there, then guess what we will not experience in a unique fashion? The presence of God. And watch this. When we're not experiencing the presence of God in a unique fashion, we're never going to be involved in the mission of Christ to go and make disciples. See, the ultimate goal is to keep the church from making disciples. That's what the, all the demons of hell, that's what they want to do. It's like, keep that church, Concord, from making disciples. So, so the enemy sneaks in and tries to get you to build walls. And the more walls that go up, the deader the church is. Are y'all listening? I mean, I'm serious, Artec, man. How many churches are not making an impact for the kingdom of God? And if you go into the context of most of those churches, there's infighting. Yep. Yeah. Right. Wow. So infighting means we're not experiencing the presence of God in a unique fashion. If we're not experiencing the presence of God in a unique fashion, it's because our eyes are not on Jesus, who is, check this out, the great reconciler. He reconciles us to God. He reconciles us to one another. So if you've got issues in your family, you need to embrace Jesus. Very issues in your community group, you need to embrace Jesus. Very issues here, we got to keep embracing Jesus. Because Jesus' death on the cross, are y'all with me? Say yeah. His death on the cross, which is phenomenal, it covered the sin that we committed towards God. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four all deal with how we treat God. But if you look at the last six, all of those commandments deal with how we treat one another. So his blood is sufficient to bring us near, not only to God, but to each other. Isn't that crazy? Because, listen, you can't go out and talk about how you've been reconciled to God if you're not reconciled to your brother and sister in Jesus. How can you claim to be reconciled to a God you cannot see when you're not reconciled to the people you can see? Y'all feeling where I'm coming from? Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? Because this is huge, man. So if there's a problem. And listen, some people hear a preacher preach like this and they're like, there must be some issues in that church. No, I don't even know of any. But what I'm saying is, if you do know of one, you need to fix it. Because the enemy would love nothing more than a foothold. Now, I bought an eyeball because I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it. Everybody with me say, yeah? If you go and you try to reconcile to somebody and they don't want to reconcile with you, what do you do? You paint the wall, you've embraced Jesus, but they won't embrace Jesus. What do you do? You offer forgiveness. You even give them forgiveness. You may have to do it multiple times. Every day, you've got to just remind yourself, Lord, I've forgiven those individuals. Even though they won't receive it, and even though that bridge is still broken, 
the Bible says, as far as it pertains to you, you live at peace with all men. Jesus on the cross at Calvary, what did he say? He said um, to those who were there, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They weren't asking for forgiveness. He was putting it out there. So you be that way. You can't, you can't live and allow somebody's irreconcilable heart to dictate the rest of your life. But you seek to reconcile, you seek peace, you embrace Christ, and if they don't, well, God will deal with them. Y'all with me say yeah? So let the Lord work that out. That's that's a a crazy text, isn't it? I mean, if y'all were in the house, I just preached a crazy text. And what's wild about that is when you go verse by verse through books of the Bible, you talk about stuff you'd have never thought you'd have talked about. I mean, good night. I talked about circumcision this morning. I thought about Jews and Gentiles coming together as one. Y'all didn't even know that was an issue, probably, some of you. But how applicable is it to right where we are, to make sure we're coming together as one, because we represent Jesus. All right, let's bow. Father, in Jesus' name, put your hand on our fellowship. Help us to walk together experiencing great peace and unity as we embrace you. And God, I pray for those who do have walls in their lives. And God, they know them. And Lord, just, just help them paint it, help them embrace you. And Father, I pray for maybe some uh, conversations that might even happen this week, that um, whoever is at odds, Lord, they would both embrace you. And in you, they would be reminded of the forgiveness that we need to give. And God, I pray they would experience your presence together. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Now listen, I told you at the onset I needed some honest folk in the room, all right? So listen, if you're here today and you would say, Levi, man, I'm just flat out, I've got invisible walls in my life. I know I do. Listen, I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't always do this, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you say, Levi, i got some invisible walls, several in our first service. You say, Levi, today, that message was directly to me. Slip your hand up. Several hands going up. Here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we'll have an invitation, and I'm going to invite people to come forward and pray. So if you lifted up your hand, you come forward. Find a place here in the altar and just pray. Had an awesome time of prayer last service. So you don't want to miss that. Just carry it to the Lord right now in prayer. Just say, Lord, I need your help on this thing. And God wants to help you. Or this morning, it may be that uh, God is calling you into a personal relationship with him. Jesus died for you. On the cross, when you admit you're a sinner and believe that Jesus died for you, and you confess him as Lord, that's the time frame that you are brought near to God. You're not brought near to God by your good works. You're brought near to God by his work. So if you need Jesus today, man, I want you to respond to him by faith and embrace him. And if that's your desire, in a moment when we stand to our feet, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I'll be here in the front. I want to pray for you, help you along on your walk with Jesus. And we want to celebrate with you. So if that's your prayer and you just gave your heart to Christ, first step of obedience is baptism. We want to set that up for you in the days ahead. And secondly, uh, God may be calling you to join this church body. And if you feel that, the Lord's really calling you here, then I want to invite you to come this morning. But most of all, let's just have a time where we get before the Lord and say, Lord, bring peace to these relationships so that we can bring you glory through them. And Father, we give you the invitation now pray you continue to work and that's in Jesus name we pray amen let's stand to our feet while we sing you come this morning you stood if God's before calling.